What's going on, guys? It's Captain Cook. Welcome back to episode five of Spicy Memories. This is my food podcast where I talk about food and stuff. Uh, so I wanted to first of all, uh, first of all, thank everybody who's been listening and tuning in. I want to let you guys know, give you a little update that I am actually now live on iTunes. You may be listening to this on the podcast app. I'm also live on Spotify, which is pretty crazy. Um, you know, just, I, I don't know. I decided to throw this podcast together and I'm actually surprised that, uh, I was able to pull everything off. Um, so thank you all for that. So basically for this episode, um, I'm doing solo. Um, and I'll be having some guests pretty soon, but I figured for this episode, you could just spend some quality time with me. Listen to the, the soothing sound of my voice. Let it, let it just carry you away. I always, I always love those, those apps that do that at night. I have one I, want to, I think it's called Headspace is the one I have. I use it sometimes to meditate. It's like there's a guy with a British accent who just like, you know, says these like incredibly soothing things. Like, you know, imagine you're lying in a comfortable chair. Now I want you to feel your breath going in and going out. Going in and going out. And I'm just like, like, like I know what he's going to say before he says it, but it's still calms me down for some fucking reason who knows anyway so uh just spent some quality time with you here today i'm gonna be going through some food trends that i found online that i wanted to run through i found this website on chowhound i don't know what the fuck chowhound is it's a website i guess um and it's 30 new york food trends you've got to see to believe uh so clearly you won't be seeing them but uh i'm gonna try to remember to put this link in the description of whichever freaking uh the time but whatever time i end up posting this um but I wanted to run through some food trends. I wanted to go through some old recipes I found in my notes. And I just wanted to talk a little bit about being a home cook. Um, a lot of people have actually, for a while now, been messaging me about like cooking more at home. And like asking me for recipes and stuff like that. And people constantly saying to me like they'd like to get into cooking more and all that stuff. And, you know, I, I always make it clear and I want to make it clear to everyone listening. Like I'm not a chef, you know. I'm a home cook. Like I didn't go to culinary school. Like I may know a little bit more than the average home cook but that doesn't mean that i'm necessarily qualified to be in a restaurant or anything like you know i I just follow what i like i cook what i like i I go by recipes i don't you know i make up recipes but i don't just you know i'm not like this innovative creative crazy person you know um when i was on the wmia podcast uh with lucas and steve they brought up a good point that he said you know he's, he's got somebody who works on the line and what did i think about that and I think working in a restaurant, anybody listening who maybe works in a restaurant can agree that you you might be able to cook really well, but when you're actually, when you have to jump on a line and, you know, you've got to get something out in a very finite amount of time and not fuck it up, like, at all, the amount of pressure that builds is just, like, ridiculous. Like, it, it, it increases so much than when you're just making something at your own pace at home and able to reference a recipe and stuff like that. Um, you know, prep cook is like a whole other animal. You know, if you're, you know, the guy that preps onions all day, you're just chopping onions all day and you need that endurance. And I don't know if I'd be built for that. I could probably adapt to it. But like right now, like a line cook would you know, like destroy me at making something, you know, in a finite amount of time. So I just wanted to make that clear for people. But, um, you know, there's lots of easy ways to get into what you want to cook. I think the first thing before I dive into any food trends or I go through any of my old recipes, I think the first thing that really got me into cooking more believe it or not was youtube videos um and literally just finding stuff that i like visually saw you know i think with this generation it's kind of hard for us to just look into a cookbook and think that something looks really nice i mean you know we can open a bon appetit and we can look at all these magazines and see stuff on pinterest and instagram and you know it, it looks really nice but when you see it 
in video, you know, and you see somebody physically cooking it, 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 I don't know, it changes it. It makes it real, I think, you know, it brings it to your level almost, which I love. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that would be my biggest suggestion was find something on YouTube, you know, find videos of stuff that you want to cook. You know, half the time I just follow recipes looking at the video. I don't even follow exact recipes. You know, you come up with your own, you know, seasoning amounts and stuff like that. You have to go by taste a lot of the time anyway. You know, I mean, if you went by tasty, your shit would be under seasoned to the max. And, you know, hopefully BuzzFeed actually listens to this, which I know they won't, but it doesn't fucking matter. Um, if you watch any of those tasty videos, you know, these white people be putting like a teaspoon of salt in like an entire pot. And like, there's a lot of people out there like, that's all you need. Like, not, not really. And not always. I mean, salt is not just there to make things taste salty. Salt is used to elevate flavors. And when you're cooking something, especially when it's like a piece of meat, if it's like, you know, any kind of like vegetables, things that have pores, as it heats up, the pores are opening and closing. That's why you're, you have to constantly season a lot of the time throughout the dish. You may not be, have to over season, but you definitely have to season throughout the dish. And then at the end, you do a taste test. And if you have to add more salt or pepper or, you know, whatever it may be, then you do. But yeah, so I mean, a lot of that just comes from just cooking and practice and stuff, you know. But I don't know. I thought I'd run to some of these food trends on Chowhound and see what the hell they were and see what you guys thought about them. Um, I'll put this link in the description. Um, and yeah, you guys can look at them yourself. <laughs> so the first one that I'm looking at, uh, before I read the name, it's, I, I don't know. It just looks like a little paper boat like we used to make out of like scraps of paper in class with some kind of weird gelatin ball in the middle of it and what looks like soy sauce. All right, what the fuck is Raindrop cake. Uh, it says raindrop cake is a vegan dessert that went viral after its debut at Smorgasbord. Big fucking surprise. Um, a food fair in New York. Yeah, no shit. Uh, it's made out of spring water, black sugar, and kanako, also known as soy flour. Probably saying that wrong. Uh, kanako. Kanako? K-I-N? Whatever. Soy flour. Um, and the creator of the cake, Darren Wong, he was inspired by jelly desserts that he remembered in Asia. I'm sure this is like a huge trend in Asia, and it looks it looks fine. I just, you know, I've never had it, so I don't know, I gotta, I guess, I don't know, I guess I'll try that, it looks a little weird, I'm not gonna lie, uh, let's move to number two, number two, I'm definitely familiar with wa- waffles and eggloos, alright, so this, if you guys aren't familiar with this, this is when you take, like, a, like, a waffle, usually in some kind of crazy mold or shape that it's been baked in, and you put ice cream and a bunch of crazy shit inside of it, this one looks like it's got a couple of those pocky sticks, and stuff is awesome, and a ball of ice cream and some sprinkles and toppings. Uh, they were inspired by Guy Danjai, um, which is egg waffles. Made, he made off uh, egg waffles uh, popular in Hong Kong in the 1950s. And they're yeah, shaped into cones and filled with ice cream, fruit, cookies, sauces, whatever. And it comes in a variety of flavors. We went to a place in the city. If you guys are looking for a good place, I'm going to double check the spelling right now on my handy dandy uh, laptop. And I think it's called Kiaki. Um, I want to say Miyaki, Kiyaki, Miyaki, no, Taiki, sorry, oh, God, I butchered that, uh, Taiki, T-A-I-Y-A-K-I, and it's in Chinatown, um, close to Little Italy, because they're all around each other, and this place was insane, I went there with my wife, and we got these waffles that were shaped like fish, and it was, it, it was absolutely crazy, so, I, I, again, at the end of the day, you're just eating like a soft waffle with a bunch of ice cream inside of it. But like, it's more about the art of it, you know. Um, so this one I can get on board with. This I think I'm alright with. You know, I'm not I'm not gonna shit on this or anything like that. I've had it; it's really, really good. Um, the next one, 
uh, let's see, numero three. Oh, yes, the Rainbow Bagel, number three. Um, so this, yeah, this just recently became trendy. Um, it's owner of the bagel store in Brooklyn, Scott Rossillo, and he's been making Rainbow Bagels for like 20 years. And it's, I mean, mainly it's just like, I, 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 I don't know, it's mainly just like a very Instagrammable picture. That's exactly what it says in the article too, Instagrammable. It's not, um, I mean, they taste fine. But it's I, I I don't know from what I understand, uh the they're not really like the dough is not that much different. A lot of it's like food dye and stuff like that. So you're not really tasting. You may think you're tasting it, maybe like a placebo, visceral thing. But you know the rainbow bagels they look really nice for an Instagram picture, and I'm sure I'll try try one one of these days. But I don't really think they taste any different. So I I don't know. I mean if they cost you know six dollars, then you got to realize you're paying six dollars for a bagel. Um, so there's that. Ah, yes. This one I wanted to get to very, very badly because I had seen it on the list and I don't understand it. Number four, pizza on pizza. You guessed it. So Vinny's Pizza in Brooklyn has been selling this custom slice for a couple of years and it's basically, um, it's a pizza uh, with little tiny mini slices of pizza on top of it, which is interesting. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. It's a, it's a New York's, you know, triangle shaped pizza. That literally just has like four little mini triangle slices of pizza on it. It's probably super, like I said, it's very Instagrammable. I mean, when you bite into it, it probably just tastes like more pizza, which is fine. But you could also just layer two slices of pizza like I've done before when I've been, you know, insanely drunk or stoned. But ah, forgive the sound of me drinking this spike seltzer. Um, so let's see. Um, yeah, I'm drinking the Smirnoff spike seltzer because there's no sugar in here. I was going to do martinis for this, but honestly, you guys wouldn't want me on here drinking martinis. I would just go on and I'd rant about the most random shit. Maybe next time. Um, so I don't think I'm going to go through all of this list because there's like 430 of them. Um, let's see. Let's skip to number six. We just skip over number five. Ah, the bone broth shops. So bone broth, from what I remember, it, it broke pretty big right around the time that people started doing a lot of this like keto type diet. Um, and bone broth is super, super healthy for you. It's not, assuming you're not just, you know, drinking it straight from the, you know, from the cartons you buy. You can't do that. Uh, the bone broth they're talking about, it's not excessive sodium or anything like that. It's really made from, you know, bones and the marrow inside the bones and all the nutrients with some water. Very, very slow. And, you know, the ridiculous amount of vitamins and, you know, the healing properties and like all the stuff of bone broth is great. And what I'm reading here is that it's also sold a lot in coffee shops. Um, because then they can sip it like a drink, which is, I guess, appealing for some people. Um, I, I think we've been conditioned because we've been using broth for just as an ingredient for so many years that people don't really see it as something you can consume. I think you forget that most things you can consume like that. You know what I mean? Like you could drink like white vinegar if you really wanted to. I wouldn't suggest it, but it's not going to kill you. It may give you an upset stomach, but <laughs> it's not necessarily going to kill you. Same thing with, you know, uh, chicken broth you know, um, or, you know, vegetable broth, beef broth, whatever. And not, not, not even the broths that you buy. I mean, the ones in the box, like it'll taste disgusting, but you know, you can drink it. So I don't know. I guess that's, that's definitely one way to do it. Um, I'm going to do a couple more of these and then I'm just going to stop because this is partially making me hungry, but also it's just, you know, I don't know what the fuck. Okay. Um, I, number eight is ice pop, ice pop cocktails. Yeah, I thought I was reading that wrong, but I'm not. Um, so a Manhattan, let's see what this says. A Manhattan bar called Loopy Doopy uh, serves up booze, quote-unquote, on the pops. 
This cocktail comes with a People's Pops brand popsicle right in the glass. That's It probably tastes really good. It just, I don't know, you're drinking something out of a fucking wine glass with a popsicle sticking out of it. I guess that's cool, but like if you're paying $15 for the drink, I don't really understand that you could just do that shit at home. Like, there's been plenty of times that I've like taken frozen fruit and stuff that I've had and just put them inside of vodka as ice because part of the reason is because, you know, my alcoholic tendencies. But, I mean, I don't know. I guess that's what this is. Again, this is all like Instagrammable you know, stuff in New York City that people love to pay for. So I have no problem with that stuff. I've partaken in that at some points. But I also think that you should, um, you know, you should also enjoy what you're eating and not just do it for the photo, you know. All right, number nine, um, Barada Ice Cream. I need to make sure I'm actually reading that correctly because I thought I just read Barada Ice Cream. Okay, uh, from the creator of the Cronut, uh, Dominique uh, Ansel comes an Italian cheese-flavored ice cream that is served in a honeycomb with strawberry confit, balsamic caramel, and micro-basil. Um, I don't know. Like, I want to I wanna shit on this, but I think... I don't know. I think it might actually taste pretty good. Only because, like, the burrata is so, like, fatty and, like, it's, like, it's starchy with the dairy. I think that that might actually do really well in, like, an ice cream mold because it's all, you know, it's all fat dairy. Who cares? That I'm actually, I'm not going to say too much about. I actually want to try that. So I don't want to say anything bad about it. I don't know if I'll go to that shop, but so. Uh, the sushi donut. Jesus Christ. Yeah, so the sushi donut is not a donut, for those of you who don't know. This has been around for a couple of years now, and people see it all the time. So the sushi donut is, it's literally just a ring of sticky rice. And on top of it, with wrapping, you just put all the ingredients that you'd a lot of times find in sushi, like... You know, you'll put, um, you know, maybe a couple of things, sprigs of like sprouts. You'll put red tuna, salmon, sesame seeds, like maybe some, um, some fish eggs on top, stuff like that. It's it's probably good. It probably just tastes like sushi. I mean, when I was in um, Cowell Hill, we, uh, my wife and I were at some art thing, and I got a sushi burger for the first time a couple of years ago, and it, you know, it tastes exactly how you think it would taste. It tastes like a, a different delivery of sushi. That's basically it. So, oops, sorry. Uh, a different delivery of sushi, which is probably just as good as you imagine. You know, what are you going to do? All right, let's run through one or two more of these, and then I'll get into some real shit. I wanted to just ease in the transition, you know? I wanted to lubricate. Um, oh, what do you know? Number 12, uh, Taiyaki, the place I was talking about. Who would have thunk it? It's, uh, well, so Taiyaki is apparently is, oh, okay, that, that makes more sense. So Taiyaki is a Japanese fish-shaped cake made with red bean paste. So that's what I had. It wasn't necessarily a waffle, but it's it's basically a waffle. Um that's what they put in the ice cream with. And if you look up the pictures of Taiyaki, again it's T A I Y A K I, it's insane. It's like they look beautiful and it tasted really, really good. Um so again I won't say anything about that. Uh macarons, was this from Lottery? Yeah, no, this is the macaron parlor. My wife and I actually had uh macarons in France. We went to Paris, went to the original Lottery and the line was, like, wrapped around the corner. And at first, I was just like, look, I know what this is going to taste like. Especially, you know, I've had macarons, macaroons. I've had them both. And, I've, and I, I knew what they're going to taste like. And then I actually ate one from there. And it, I'm not going to lie. It's totally fucking different. I know that there's a lot of Ray in the city. There might be more than one, actually. And if you have the opportunity, definitely go. I don't know if it's going to taste the same as Paris. But it was insane. Um, Paris food scene was a whole other topic. That's, like, people ask me all the time. So... All right, let's choose one more here. 
on this lovely podcast. Um, while I'm finding the last one, by the way, I wanted to thank everyone who's reached out. Um, if you are listening, if you subscribe, if you want to hear my soothing voice more, feel free to message me. Uh, give me ideas. If you want to come on the show, let me know. Um, I do have the ability to record with multiple people now. I had to get my recording. That was a, that was a, that was a Bill Burr podcast moment. It's like, how are you? Um, for anyone that listens to the Monday morning podcast with Bill Burr, how you doing? That was a pretty good Bill Perry voice. Um, you got the black ice cream. You got some stromboli. I don't know why that's on the list. A lot of ice cream. It's weird. I guess people really love desserts. Little mini cupcakes again. Like I don't. I guess. I guess that works. Expensive cereal. Okay, I gotta read this one. This seems insane. Uh, cereal giant Kellogg set up a specialty shop in New York Times Square, uh, offering cereal. Uh, with unique fixings for about three times the price of a whole box. Jesus Christ. That cafe closed in 2017 so that it could relocate to an even bigger location downtown. Customers can also pay more to order the cereal with ice cream instead of milk. I, I don't know, man. I mean, this is this is like, to me, you pay for stuff like this when it's something you personally can't do yourself or you don't want to go through the trouble of doing. Expensive cereal just doesn't make any sense to me. You could do that shit yourself. Go get ice cream. Go get good milk. Put in, what am I looking at here? Uh, pretzels and mango flecks and chocolates and raspberries and strawberries and ice cream. Like, fucking just do that shit yourself. My God. I, that's, I'm sorry, because that's not even like a food creation. That's just like people deciding, you know, we're going to charge a lot of money for this. <laughs> so, um, yeah. All right. So that's that's pretty much a lot of the food trends, you know. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff in the city that's constantly popping up. And one thing, on Instagram, a lot of the trends that I've noticed recently at least have been... Um, these kind of like, I want to call them like tray meals, like tray flat lays. So like somebody will go and get like two burgers and like four orders of fries and like onion rings and they'll stack everything on like a half sheet pan or like a quarter sheet pan and like not like have so much shit on the plate that they're not even, you can't even see the bottom of the pan. And it makes for a really good Instagrammable picture. You know, I mean, people seem to love it. It probably tastes really good as well, but that's like been the huge, the big thing on Instagram that I've seen that and, um, you know, just like really nice flat lays. You know, I do some flat lays myself, but I can't, you know, I can't lay them out like, you know, like some people can. So those are some food trends in New York City. If you want to check them out, you're more than welcome. Uh, one thing I've noticed too, the best way to discover new stuff that's going on in the city as far as food is just go there. You know, I mean, half the times when I'm in Brooklyn, I discover things that I never knew existed, you know, like burger shops and like all that shit. So I'm going to run through some old recipes that I found going through all my notes on my phone, because I have notes going back to 2012 on here. Uh, excuse me. And I think that, um, I don't know, before then I just kind of stopped. <laughs> so, um, all right. Let's see here. Um, one pan chicken. That sounds fucking boring. Uh, where the fuck? Where are all my recipes? Uh, there we go. Okay. So, Oh, a hot sauce recipe. Wow, okay. So, like, aside from the hot sauce that I make for you guys, as you know, um, the hot sauce that I make, as you know, it has a base of mango and coffee and habanero. I have an idea to make a hot sauce where it's like, I, my wife and I both love pasta. We love red sauce, love pizza, like all that stuff. And I was always thinking about like adding more heat into those dishes without compromising the actual flavors. And it's not completely unusual to put hot sauce on top of pizza. A lot of people do that. But to me, I don't see the appeal of getting this beautiful, herby, 
you know, textured pizza that maybe has like, you know, whole crushed tomatoes if it's like a margarita pizza with an amazing sauce and this garlic and oregano just swimming throughout the sauce and then shoving a bunch of vinegar on it with like, you know, fucking Tabasco or some shit. That just doesn't seem, even if it's a little bit like Valentina, I don't know, that just didn't seem appealing to me. So I was thinking about making a hot sauce where the base was tomatoes, basil, and oregano. And the heat part is what I'm still struggling with. I mean, I know that I want toasted kind of red chili flakes in there, but I'm thinking maybe like a red jalapeno. A red jalapeno will keep the integrity of the color, but also add just enough heat to where it makes sense. And it also wouldn't be too vinegary, the sauce. So it's like something you could actually put on pizza, put on pasta, and all it would do is actually carry over all the flavors that you're already eating instead of just adding in this vinegary bullshit. So I don't know. That's one. Another one I just found was for beef short ribs. This is probably, uh, I don't know. It's probably pretty crazy, but let's see. Beef short ribs. All I wrote is red wine, beef stock, beef, tomato paste, salt and pepper. How fucking descriptive. Um, so, uh, yeah, basically brown the short ribs by searing them first, uh, put some garlic in the pan, and then with the garlic um, and some tomato paste, uh, put some red wine, reduce it, and then put in the beef stock, and then heat it. And then cover that with the short ribs and foil and cook for two and a half hours at 175 degrees. Jesus. And I wanted to pair that with butternut squash risotto. Okay. So butternut squash risotto, that's actually not something I came up with. I found that online. I forgot where. Um, But I wanted to do the butternut squash risotto with sage. And I love sage. Sage is a very unique kind of herb. The way that the actual, like, leaves on the plant look are weird. And, like, the taste is very, very kind of, like, sharp. You know? I love that. So, like, if you could find a way to incorporate sage more in your cooking, I think you'd be surprised at how it comes out, you know? I, I mean, I have sage tattooed on my arm. I love sage. Um, it's just, it's it's a very unique spice. Also, it keeps bad ghosts away if you burn it. So, um, there's that. But I don't know. I mean, I look through all these recipes, and it's like, I don't know. I, that, that brings me back to what some people have asked me, like, how I ended up cooking more and stuff like that. I started this podcast because I wanted to explore why people really try to find these creative outlets to break their current rhythm, if that makes any sense. And I mean, not necessarily break their current rhythm, but maybe have another aspect of their life where they could put something into it where they don't get it, their normal, maybe nine to five or their normal daily activities, you know? And it's, the, the kitchen's a place where you can be a little bit creative and at the end of it, you, you know, you get a reward, you get to eat something that you actually made, you know? And I mean, for me, I, you know, I don't want to complain about my job. It's a very nice place. There's a lot of nice people for the most part. And, um, I think what I found was that I used to cook, um, years ago before I had like a strict nine to five schedule, I used to cook, uh, because I didn't have any structure because I didn't have a nine to five and I'd come home at sometimes late hours. I would work these weird days. I was always working Sundays. And so for me, it was like, I was set in one place. I had a task I was going to do from beginning to end, and I was going to come up with an end result. And I think that structure is kind of what I was craving. And then when I switched jobs and I had structure all of a sudden, and I worked nine to five, and it was like every single day, it was five days a week, very designated. Um, I think I wanted to break the pattern a little bit. So I went into the kitchen more and I started doing 
a lot more cooking and it was regimented and I love cooking like that, but it's also a space where I can just like mess around and be creative. I can say whatever I want. I make these crazy videos on Instagram as you see. And a lot of what I make is not completely out of the element of anybody. I'm not doing anything insane. Like I said, I may be a little bit better than the average cook as far as like maybe knife skills and like, you know, knowing certain techniques and like combining flavors, but that does not put me in like culinary school level by any means whatsoever. Um, so I think, me then having structure threw me into the kitchen a little bit more like that. And I kind of wanted to encourage people to do that more because I think with Instagram and with YouTube and all these things that I started cooking more with, you kind of all of a sudden see this other world that's a little more accessible. And I think for a while it was, and I've talked about this, I think on the, you know, the first or second podcast I put out, it's a little more, um, how do I put this? It was It was very designated for a while as far as, people who were definitely the cooks or like the world of cooking you know it was like we looked at the food network it was reserved for the chefs and like the people like emma Lagasse could only be on tv and it was like if you wanted to work in a restaurant that's the way to start you work as a line cook and like the journey to start cooking and stuff is not linear like that anymore and i think that's why this younger generation like more younger people have started opening up restaurants people started going into food stuff like that you know it's just i think a lot more people within ages right now like 24 to 36 have realized that it's a little more accessible than they maybe thought and a lot of those food trends that i was half shitting on before have something to do with that you know it has to do with the fact that uh, you know we can look at something and it's not out of reach it's not something that's completely you know this weird crazy separate entity it's something that we could actually bring to our home kitchen and that's important i think that is something that we should continue to do you know i mean i you know i, I love that idea of that but i don't know um, so yeah, just want to do a little quick, uh, food trend, food stuff, home cook talk. Uh, I wanted to thank you guys all again for listening. Uh, I have really enjoyed doing these five episodes of uh, spicy memories. I'm going to be having more guests on. If you want to be on the show, uh, send me a message, DM me, slide in them DMs and, uh, let me know, uh, what you want to talk about, especially if it's about food. Um, also just life, you know, I mean, I'm not designating everything specifically for food. I mean, if I listen to this and I love my voice enough, I might become one of those meditation guys and I might just be slowly talking and soothing you to sleep before you even know it with ocean waves in the background. No, uh, <laughs> that'd be funny. Not really. But yeah, so uh, I'm going to be having more guests on. I'm going to try to get my good friends at Boozy Hops on. They're going to bring me some beer, hopefully, and I can serve them some food that I cook to pair with the beer. We did that um, a couple months back and it was a fucking blast. It was so awesome. So I'm going to try to have them on soon and a couple more people and i'm going to put a link to the description of the food trends that i was talking about in the description of the podcast and i'm going to keep you guys updated on the hot sauce as well uh, the indiegogo is live and it's been doing well i got like 125 dollars already from people that contributed which is insane the people that already contributed i wanted to thank you so much i love you and you will be getting your perks bottles of hot sauce and uh yeah i'm going to keep pumping it out i'm going to keep is applying for these permits in New York and just keep this process going. It's fucking a huge pain in the ass. Uh, New York State does not, and anybody who works for or has owned a small business in the state can attest to this. New York State does not make it easy for small businesses to just like you know take off like that. Um, so you really gotta you gotta power through for a little bit. But I want to thank everyone for listening. I'm gonna cap this just under 30 minutes. Hopefully you got a nice little break from wherever you were doing today. This has been Spicy Memories Episode Five. Signing out.